trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Boy, that's, that's easy to sing in church, isn't it? A little bit harder when, mm, you know, you're at home. Yes, the baby's crying. Something's happening. Your boss comes in and says, oh, by the way, I have this two-week project. Have it on my desk in the morning. Right? Trust and obey. Yeah, what was that? Something about no other way. Yeah, right? It's a little harder to remember those words when we're out there in the office or somewhere where trust and obey seems far away. Yep. A lot tougher when the Philistines are right over there on the other hill, just across the valley. You can see them there. Then how do you trust and obey? Jonathan, from our scripture reading today, made a risky decision. He made a risky decision to go across that valley and attack that Philistine garrison. And I'm still wondering, what was he thinking? <laughs> what was he thinking? We've been talking about risky things. We talked about the risks that God took when he decided to invest in a rebel world. That's a pretty big risk that God took. Then we talked about risky prayers. You remember Peter? Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of this boat and start wandering around on water. That's a pretty risky prayer. And Jesus, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You have to really trust God, don't you, to risk your spirit with him. We like to hang on to those spirits typically, huh? I like mine. I want to hang on to my breath as long as I can. Right? Yeah, I'm going to lose it somewhere. And then John, John prayed, come Lord Jesus, right? And when we say that, we have to realize that we're asking him to come and maybe... Maybe we haven't helped our neighbor be prepared. Are we really ready for our neighbor to meet Jesus? That's a risky prayer. Today we're talking about a risky decision. This decision that Jonathan made, let's look at some of the background in chapter 13. Chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, are you with me? 1 Samuel... I'll give you time. Go ahead and look it up. First Samuel, I want you in the Word, yes? That's, that's where the real, real life comes from, huh? I come up here and I talk, but it's the Word that is life. The Word. 
1 Samuel chapter 13. Are you with me? All right. Beginning with verse 1. Saul reigned one year. So we're very early in the monarchy, right? Just one year Saul was here. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself how many men? 3,000 men. Is that a big army? Eh, no, not really. 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people... I, I, I'm still having trouble figuring out what he was thinking here in the last part of verse 2. The rest of the people... He sent away. He sent away every man to his own tent. So here he was with a relatively small army and the rest of them he just sent away. He sent them home. Does he sound like he's ready to do the work that God had said Israel was going to do of subduing the land by sending everybody home? He's not going to do it, is he? He's not ready, he's not planning, he's not working to do what the Lord had commissioned him to do. Hmm. So, he's got 3,000 guys. Let's take a look at the other side of the equation, verse 5. 1 Samuel 13, verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. What did they have? <laughs> wait, wait. How many, how many soldiers did Saul have? 3,000. How many just, just the chariots? 30,000. So they had 10 times the number of chariots that Saul had in his entire army. And then he had what else? 6,000 horsemen and what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, these are good odds, aren't they? <laughs> these are good odds. And you might say, well, it's not bad if you have God with you, right? But we have a problem. We have a, we have a problem with that. Because the, the army was lessening in verse 8. The army was actually getting less People were going away, scattering from him. And then we have a major problem in verse 13. Because Saul didn't have the Lord with him. Verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. So if the Lord had been with him, yeah, maybe. But at this point, he had forfeited even the blessings of God. But it gets better. You know, this is one of those infomercial times, you know, but wait, there's more. Yeah, verse 22, are you with me? So it came about on the day of the battle. So here they come up to the battle. They're ready to march into battle. That there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. 
Okay. Let's paint the picture in a little more modern times, all right? We're going to war. We've got 3,000 unarmed guys. They've got 30,000 tanks. I'm ready to run, right? But not Jonathan. Not Jonathan. Think about this. He's out there getting ready to go against 30,000 tanks, 6,000 horses, and people like the sand of the sea, and he tells his armor bearer, hey, let's climb over there and beat them. What? What? Where's the sense in that? I would say that was a pretty risky decision, wouldn't you? Sounds risky. If you look at it on the surface, it looks pretty hopeless, frankly. Let's take a look at that decision for a minute. Let's see why Jonathan could do that first. Let's stay in chapter 13 for just a minute and run back just for a moment and look at verse 3 in chapter 13. Jonathan had already begun to do the work of the Lord. Take a look at verse 3. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines. This was back when he had his thousand guys. He had his thousand guys. He attacked the garrison of the Philistines. That was at Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. What that meant was, is we're coming to get you, son. We're coming to get you. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear, meaning, you come too. And so, Jonathan had already prepared his heart to serve the Lord, to do what the Lord had asked him to do, to make a step in the direction the Lord was telling them to go. He'd already prepared his heart. That's the first, the first thing that Jonathan had done. He had prepared to do what the Lord had asked. He had already started living up to all the light he had. He was already walking God's path. And if the Lord was going to call him further, he would walk that too. Hmm. That decision that he made didn't start with Jonathan, as we've already talked about. He made that decision based on God's command to subdue the land. He was going to follow God's command, even if it looked risky. He was going to follow what the Lord said to do. He made that decision because God had already asked him to step out there to make that decision. He was going to do it. Just sort of as an aside, how risky is it to obey God? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, he had prepared his heart. He had made a decision that followed God already. Third, he didn't depend on himself. Look at chapter 14 and verse 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be 
that the Lord will work for us. Note that he said it may be, right? As far as he could tell, uh, there was still some risk involved there. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing, catch this, nothing restrains the Lord from saving. What happened? What happened there? Did you hear anything? I missed something from out here, didn't you? Let me try that again. Maybe it'll work better the second time. So reading there, <laughs> so reading there, it says, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving. Mm, yeah. Talk to me. How great is our God? So great that nothing restrains him from saving. Yes? It doesn't matter whether you have 3,000, 30,000, 30,000. What's 30,000 against God? I don't care if you do have tanks. I don't care. God's up there. He's in charge. This is our God we're talking about. For nothing... Mm, I want that kind of faith, don't you? Nothing, nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Brothers and sisters, is that true in Lakeland? Come on now, is that true right here? Is that true today? Maybe that was true back then, but, you know, God's kind of forgot about us. Thank you. Whew, man. I was hoping you wouldn't be quiet on that one. Nothing restrains the Lord. Nothing. God is good. And so Jonathan, he prepared, he made the decision, and then he didn't depend on himself. He was depending on God to save, to save. He knew it was risky. He knew it was risky. He knew he was going to need to be saved. You don't go attack a garrison with two guys and not need saving. <laughs> right? And then he laid his plans. Look again in verse 6 there. It says, come, let us go over to the garrison. Let us go. We're going to go over there. And we're going to attack these guys if they give us the sign we're looking for. So he made his plans and then he watched. He watched to see what would happen. He watched to see the providence of God. He watched to see the providence of God. Hmm. Yeah. He watched to see the providence of God. And then in verse 12, in verse 12, what does it say? Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you something. Uh-huh. Do you know what that something was going to be? The tip of a sword going through your body. Yeah. We're going to show you something. We're going to show you something. So come on up. Yeah. So here they are scrabbling up this thing on hands and knees, climbing up here, and then we're going to fight. Yeah, they're going to need saving, aren't they? 
<laughs> right? So they climb up, but that was the sign. That was the sign they were looking for. For those guys to say, come on up. And so, verse 12 says, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me. For the Lord, what? Ooh, what happened to the word may? Gone now, right? Because they watched for God's opening providence and now they knew, they knew God was with them. Yeah. How about here? Hmm. And so they moved forward. So they prepared, Jonathan prepared. He made the decision. He didn't depend on himself. He watched for God's providences. Then when he saw it, he moved. He moved. He didn't wait. He moved. And finally, did God work for them? Yeah, he took out the whole garrison, but there was more to it than that because that's usually the part of the story we remember. But check out verse 15. Watch what happens in verse 15. It says, then there was trembling in the camp. What, were they all scared? Ah, keep watching. In the field, there was trembling in the field. And among all the people, yeah, now they're scared. The garrison and the raiders also trembled. Yeah, something's going down. And the earth did what? The earth quaked, the earth shook, so that it was a very great trembling. And so here it was, the enemy is hearing the armies of God approaching. Who would take 30,000 tanks over the armies of heaven? Not me, <laughs> right? I'm going to stick with God and his army. Jonathan's decision wasn't so risky after all, was it? Jonathan stepped out in faith. Yeah, there was risk involved, but it wasn't what it seemed on the outside. There's a group of people toward the end of time, the remnant people of God. What about them? What about them? Why are they called the remnant? Because they're like what was at the beginning, right? They're the same. They keep the commandments of God and... The testimony of Jesus, they are the same as what Jesus founded. The church that he built is the church of the end. It's God's people in the end time. This is God's remnant people. They have already prepared by following what God has asked them to do. They've lived up to the light they had. They've prepared and with the dragon making war with them, that remnant has a decision to make. Yes, we can't be moved by divine impulse. I last checked Revelation 14 verse 4, and it talked about them following the Lamb. That's right. They're not moved by their own decisions. Their decisions are to follow Jesus. To keep following him. What he said, that's what we'll do. That's what we're going to do. And so their dependence is on that lamb as well, yes? How about us? Are we depending on Jesus? Are we living up to all the light we have? Are we making decisions based on him? That's the questions for us. We are 
the last day people. We are the remnant that we are to give the message of God. And so we have plans, plans given for us, plans outlined for us in the scripture saying that they went out like an angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to keep in their pockets to make sure they watch in church and that's it, right? No, what are they to do with it? They're to attack the enemy. They're to go out and storm that Philistine garrison of the devil's strongholds. We are here to do a work for the Lord. I'll be honest with you. I, I toyed with an idea here. You know, Saul got home, got, got, got in trouble because part of what he did was, was not preparing to do the work of the Lord by sending everyone home. That's what I'm thinking, you know. Should I maybe not send you home, you know. Maybe we should. They, God's people in the end of time, have a mission to do. To storm. To storm. Just to climb up if necessary on hands and knees and attack that garrison of the devil's strongholds. Brothers and sisters, there are people all around us who the devil has chained up. It's up to us to free them, to go and make a difference in their lives because we are following God's will of preaching the everlasting gospel. That's who we are. That's what we do. That is our mission as much as it was the mission of Israel to Occupy the land of promise, yes? That's our work. Are we about our father's business? Are we watching for the providences of God? Are we watching for the opening of God's way before us? How many of you have seen a YouTube video here recently? Um, not, not those, the other one. <laughs> The one where the guy is, I can't remember who, whose organization he's with, but it's a Protestant organization and he, he invites an Anglican priest to come up and he talks for a little while about how the, how the protest is over. Really? How did I miss that message? The protest, he said, was over because we all believe in Jesus now. And so he had a message from, I don't know, some fellow in Rome saying, let's unite. Are we watching for the providences of God? It's opening all around us. It's opening all around us. Tomorrow night... I wouldn't know this if I didn't watch Jeopardy on ABC, but tomorrow night I saw a promo for a show. I couldn't believe this. Promo for this show, and it's supposed to be some guy who's like 
old like me, and he he's he's opens the door, and there's this guy standing there with this little boy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a show called Resurrection. Resurrection. Can we get any more into spiritualism than this? And the hands are reaching across the gulf to grasp hands with spiritualism and to grasp hands with Romanism. And under the influence of this threefold union, are we watching for the opening of the providences of God? It's happening today, brothers and sisters. Are we about our Father's business? Are we ready to move forward? That's what Jonathan did as he saw the signs of God's providence opening. That's what he did. Are we ready to do that? Because we know God will work with us. Revelation 14 verse 6 And I saw another angel doing what? Flying in the midst of heaven. Brothers and sisters, we are promised angels to fly with us as we work for God. In your bulletin. Turn with me in your bulletin. Here's your bulletin, the back page. Just open the very back page. Just open the very back page. And you'll see two flyers there. You see those two flyers on the back of your bulletin? Those are yours. Okay? You can tear them out, put them on your fridge or whatever. You found two other flyers that are not attached. What do you know? How about that? Those are, you know, already ready to, you know, yeah, to give away or something. How convenient is that? (laughs) So you have these two flyers, brothers and sisters, that you can use in your neighborhood, at work, at the laundromat, down the street, pin it up on 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 the bulletin board, whatever. You have these two to give away. Are we ready to move? Yeah, I know it's risky. I know it's seriously risky to go over and knock on your neighbor's door because he's going to go, what kind of a nutcase is this? That's what we worry about, isn't it? Are we ready to take that risky decision? Are we ready to move as God opens providence for us? That's, that's what it comes down to. Here we are. We're asking you to move for Jesus, to make that, yes, admittedly, risky decision. Jonathan understood the risks. The Lord may work for us. But when he saw the providences he opened, he said, I know the Lord is working for us. Brothers and sisters, we've seen God open the providences. The radio station coming on. It's awesome. We're working toward making that happen. Yeah, there's a few bumps in the road. We need some help with that. We're working toward some legal issues there that we need to solve. We definitely need equipment 
How do you get equipment without cash? I'm not, I'm not sure. We're going to have to work on that. If you'd like, mark your tithe envelope radio. We're going to work on it. We're heading forward as the Lord has opened the door. We're walking forward. We're moving forward. If God has given us this radio station, let's move on that indication. God has given us an opportunity to reach people through health, the right arm of the gospel. Let's move forward. Our work is not to sit in church. Our work is not just among church members. Brothers and sisters, God has called this people, this end time people, by the, the indication of angels flying in the midst of heaven to work for him to those who know him not. That's our work. That's what the remnant was called into being to do. Are we willing to take the risky decision and make it happen? There's a garrison over there. I say, let's go attack. Let's pray. Father in heaven, whew, we see some serious risks here. You took some big risks, God, when you stepped forward as pledge for a rebellious planet. Peter took a risk when he prayed that he might step out of that boat. Jonathan took a risk as he took that first step up that mountain toward the Philistine garrison. Father, just now, we face the risk as we put our foot outside our front doors to our neighbors or to our co-worker. Lord, we ask for your faith. It hasn't been necessary when we weren't moving out of the camp. But now we've decided, we've made that risky decision. And we need your Holy Spirit. And we know, as we've seen your providences, that you are with us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.